Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. And we are so glad to be back with you again today to open up God's Word and study a little bit deeper, a little further, learn a little bit more, have a better understanding, a fuller understanding of what God's will is for our lives. We're thankful to hear from so many of our listeners. Many of you have contacted us in various ways through email, through our website, by letter, by phone. Many of you have actually come and visited with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We're thankful to be able to see you face to face, but we're thankful to be able to hear from you in any way that you choose to contact us. Many who have visited with us have stayed on and continued to study, and many of those have made their decision to come to God through Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins, confessing their faith in Christ, surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of their sins, beginning to walk that newborn, that new life in Christ. We're so thankful that we have been able to help so many in their walk toward heaven, in their gaining knowledge of God's will through his word for their lives. And we pray that God will continue to bless us with the opportunity to do this on an ongoing basis, ongoing and on and on. This is our prayer. We're thankful again to have this opportunity to be with you. If you're listening for the first time, then our prayer is that quickly you'll realize that we do exactly as the name of the program, Search the Scriptures, suggests. We do get deep into God's Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So we want to help you grow your faith, and by so doing, help you come closer to God, and ultimately, help you come to Him all the way, His way, through Jesus Christ. We want to help you get to heaven, and we really do care, and we really do pray for you. We're going to continue our study on God's grace. We've been looking at this for quite a while now. But this is a very deep subject, and it's one that we should not just gloss over as we think about studying about God's grace. It's not a matter or a subject that we ought to just kind of flippantly pass over in our minds or in a talk somewhere or in a discussion with somebody. We need to understand God's grace as fully as we can. I would suggest to you that there is no more important subject in all of the Bible than God's grace. Because you see, it is by his grace that Jesus came into this world and went to that cross and died as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. And that, that was by God's grace. God sent him for us to die on our behalf. Our opportunity, our hope for salvation and eternal life is only through God's grace. But now what we have been studying about, and we've already looked at this subject extensively in a great deal of depth, and we've got further to go. But what we have already seen to this point is that we need to not be flippant or haphazard or casual about our understanding of God's grace. God expects something from us by way of response to his offer of salvation 
by grace. Now, he is the one who saves us. Our salvation is only by his grace. But we need to understand that we must come to him his way. Not just believing intellectually, but a faith that leads us to obey. And not just in an initial way, but on an ongoing basis through the rest of our lives on this earth. I keep emphasizing what Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, that's active response on our part. In this particular section, as we introduced last time, we're talking about our need to grow in grace. Peter exhorts in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, and actually this is the very last verse in Peter's second recorded letter of Scripture. I want to back up to verse 17 again. And here he says, and he's addressing Christians, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. You know, there are people who believe you cannot fall from God's grace. Once you're in God's grace, if that is the truth, then why is Peter exhorting these Christians to beware lest they should fall from their own steadfastness? In other words, faithfulness. He goes on and says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. If we cannot fall from grace, if we cannot end up going back into sin once we have been forgiven of our sins, if we cannot end up losing our salvation once we have been saved by God's grace, then why do we need to be steadfast? Why do we need to grow in grace? Why do we need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If it's a done deal already, if we're absolutely secure and there's no way that we can be lost, why? do we need to grow in grace? Why do we need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, we talked about how we grow in grace, and that is by growing in Christ. We are to become mature in Christ. We are to grow up in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at that. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, we read that. We are to grow up in Christ. And you know, in Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote this, I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You see, there were some people who were false teachers even in the early years after the church was established on this earth. Even in the early years after our Lord ascended back to heaven, after having died on the cross and arisen from the grave. And so Paul is here teaching against those false teachers. These would have been, these would have been Christians who had not let go yet of the law of Moses. And so they were trying to teach Gentile Christians that they not only had to become Christians, 
but they also had to keep at least some tenets of the law of Moses. And Paul and Barnabas and I'm sure other Christians as well, they taught against that. We're no longer under the law of Moses. And we can go back to John chapter 1 and verse 17 to see that again and other texts of scripture as well. But we are still under spiritual law. We're under the law of Christ. And so he says, he says, you know, you, you can't go back to the law of Moses. You're now under the law of Christ. If you attempt to go back to the law of Moses, verse 4 says, you have become estranged from Christ. King James Version, I believe, says cut off from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Now, if you cannot fall from grace, then why would Paul put that in there? You have fallen from grace. You see, we need to understand that the life of of a Christian, the life of faithfulness is exactly that, the life of faithfulness. That's a faith that is lived day in and day out. It's not just believing. James went into great detail in James chapter 2, the second half of that chapter, emphasizing that faith by itself, just believing, is dead faith. And that faith alone will not save. That is, just believing will not save. Now, we need to understand what the scriptures say on that and take it to heart and not try to discount those texts of scripture or try to make them say something they don't say. So we need to grow in grace. Christianity is a marathon. It's not a sprint. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we look at verse 14, we read this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now we could ask another fundamental question about this text. Why would the grace of God need to be with us if we're already in the grace of God and we cannot fall from that grace? Why would Paul, and the sense there is something of an understanding that this could be a prayer, may the grace of God be with you. Well, if we're already in the grace of God, why would that prayer need to be prayed? Why would we even need to have that thought? You see, again, the Christian life is a life of active, dedicated obedience and service and commitment on an ongoing basis. God expects this from us when he offers us his salvation by grace. He saves, but we have to live the life. We're the ones who have to repent. We're the ones who have to obey. We're the ones who have to live that faithful life until death. I want us to go back into the Old Testament In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, I want us to think about growing in grace from the perspective of the prophet Isaiah. 
What an exciting text, thrilling text of scripture this is. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, Isaiah writes, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, that is, a class of angels. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so these seraphim were praising God, glorifying him openly as Isaiah looked on. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Oh, Isaiah. He was stricken with the gravity of the moment. He found himself in the presence of God, and he said, I am undone. I don't, I'm not worthy of this. I'm a man of unclean lips. He recognized his sinfulness, and he said, I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from, with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Well, think about Isaiah's experience here. Think about growing in grace from the perspective of the prophet Isaiah. The more of God he saw, the more of his own sin he saw. The more of God Isaiah saw, the more Isaiah saw his own sin. And he felt unworthy. He was totally dependent on God for forgiveness, as every human being is. But oh, how he recognized it at that moment, being in the, looking on in the presence of God. And the more grace he saw to forgive him, the more obedient he became to God. Again, woe am I, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He recognized his forgiveness, and he certainly recognized his need. I'm I'm sorry, he recognized his sin, and he certainly recognized his need of forgiveness. And then one of the seraphim declares his forgiveness, having touched his lips with a live coal from the altar. And saying, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity, your sin is taken away. Your sin purged. 
So Isaiah, in recognizing his own sinfulness, also recognized his need for forgiveness. And having received that forgiveness, then that motivated him all the more to be obedient to the Lord God, to serve him. And the more he was willing to serve in the way God wanted him to serve, the more he would be he would grow in grace. Isaiah was growing during that time, during that vision. He saw the Lord. He saw his sinfulness. He recognized he had been forgiven and he was ready to serve. That's growing in grace. Now we're just looking at that in that particular text from the perspective of Isaiah, the prophet. But we get an example there of growing in grace. You see, again, I emphasize, Christianity is a lifestyle. A lifestyle. It's not just a statement at a given moment of time, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God. No, it is a life that we take up and we live on an ongoing basis. Remember the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, he was still alive physically, but he said, it's no longer me who's controlling, guiding my life. Now, that's not saying he'd been taken over and somehow being forcefully directed like a robot would be. No, he says, I've given my life to the Lord. And his guidance is the guidance for my life. I, I, I've died to that old man that I used to be. And I have taken up a new life in Christ. I live for him now. He is my direction. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 15, Paul wrote, He, that is Christ, died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Speaking of Christ. So we live a redirected life. We're not that old person we used to be. If you drop down to verse 17 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. So when we become a Christian, when we're baptized into Christ and we're raised up from those waters of baptism, reborn spiritually, forgiven, saved, in Christ, we are just coming out of the starting block, so to speak. We're beginning a brand new life from a spiritual perspective. And from that point forward, we should be growing in Christ spiritually. And as we're growing in Christ, we're growing in grace. We're growing in grace. We're learning more and more what it is to be a Christian, how to be a Christian, 
and more and more we're submitting our will to God's will to serve him according to his will. That's basically what Paul was saying in Galatians 2 and verse 20. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm no longer, it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. A redirected life, a redirected life. I want us to look at another text of scripture here. We're just going to read this and, and kind of introduce it. We'll come back and look at it in more depth next time. Ephesians 2, and we begin here with, with verses, uh, with, with verse, uh, going back to verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised, up, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, a lifestyle again, a life of service and dedication and obedience on an ongoing basis. We'll come back and look at this text a little bit more carefully next time. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for letting us love you. And thank you, Father, for all your blessings. We thank you, Father, for your grace. We do not deserve it. We cannot earn it. We don't have it coming. You don't, you're not obligated to extend it to us, but you extend it to us anyway. Praise be to your name. To you be the glory. And we thank you, Father. Please guide us and help us to grow in grace as we live the Christian life. Please be merciful with us, Father. Please forgive us, please, for our prayer. Gracious Father, in the name of Christ, amen.